Um, or... Awesome. Um, I, uh, I, I've got a first this morning. I think this is the first time ever I've been in full-time ministry for 17 plus years. I think it's the first time ever I've ever preached in shorts. So ladies, no lusting men, no coveting, right? Skinny legs are in, right? Right. Just like skinny jeans, you know, skinny legs are in. You ought to see how skinny this one is. It's pretty, pretty skinny. So, so Father's Day, you know, when we think about Father's Day, of course, you know, we're expecting to come in and hear a great Father's Day message. And, uh, and hopefully that you leave and believe that that was true. But, uh, you know, Father's Day and so much of what we make Father's Day about is um, and, and to some degree, rightfully so, you know, is showing affection and love for for our dads. And um, and so that's what we're going to do this morning. But in a bit of a different way. Really, this message is 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 a message for you, dads. It's a message for all of us, but it's uh, it really is a message for our father. It's a message to our father. It's a message to our father from our father for us, because in what we're diving into today, it's about how can we come together as this body and honor our father on Father's Day? Yes, honoring our dads is important as a dad. That's I think that's a healthy thing and it's great to be affirmed, but. How much healthier is it as we come together collectively for this hour plus that we're together that we're going to take some time to understand and look at and honor our father. So if we're going to understand, you know, what it is to honor our father and we're going to understand what it is to be a great a great dad, then we have to know what is it that makes a great dad? What is it that you and I men need in order to be a great dad. And in order to be a great dad, we have to first be able to become a great son to our father. In order to be this a good dad and to be a dad who is growing in his goodness, in his nurturing, in his, you know, in his protection, in his care, in his affection for his family and loving them well, in order to be a good dad, we have to first become a great son to our father. Not just a great son to our dad here on earth, but a great son to our father. And ultimately, that's what we're looking at this morning is we're looking at the reality of who Jesus is and who he's calling us to be in his likeness because he was the ultimate son. In living his life to honor his father. And where we miss that, we miss the reality of what awaits us. We miss the reality of what we're invited into. We miss the reality of what he came to bring us. And we're going to look at that. We're going to be looking through the through the gospel of John this morning. Where we're first going to look is we're going to look at the reality of who who Jesus Christ is, that everything was done through him. If you just read this first chapter of John, everything was done through him. His everything that was created was done by him. And here we see in this reality, beginning in verse nine, I'll, I'll, I'll start reading. Then the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He created everything. Like everything. The sands in the sea, the fish in the sea, the salt in the water, the 
the molecules in the air, the DNA in your body, the plants, the trees, the clouds, the atmosphere, the core of the earth, the stars in the sky, the sun, the black matter we call space, every planet, every moon, every speck of dust. He spoke and it was created. And yet when he came into his creation as a man to redeem and to reconcile us back to the father, the world did not recognize him and rejected him. And yet to each one of us who choose to believe in him, we get to now become children of God. That distance, that separation that we were cut off because of sin to not be able to commune with a holy God. We were given this invitation into a life. And we receive life from the light of the world, Jesus Christ. If we're going to understand who Jesus is and how he loved his father and to be able to be a son before his father, then we have to look at this perfect reflection of this son. You see, he was selfless. He was loving. He was submissive and humble, strong and confident, bold, fun and fearless, loving, kind, just. He was wise. He was generous. He was obedient. He was gentle. He was disciplined and faithful. He was patient. He was relationally intimate and he was caring. He was each of these things before man because he was truly these things before his father. If you and I are going to experience the reality of the life that he's called us to. Then we have to be able to become children in in today's context, sons of our father. And as we dive into this reality of being able to become just a few of these character traits that I, that I mentioned, then we have to be able to, to recognize, I think, a really healthy principle. Um, Tim Keller points this out in, in something. And we're going to dive further into this as we go into this fall. We're going to be going into a, a, a season, a campaign, a small group campaign and a preaching campaign. We're going to go through the book of Ephesians. At least the first three chapters of Ephesians. And we're going to study and understand what is this, who, who are we as the church and what does scripture say the church should be? And really Ephesians best unpacks that for us uh, in this setting. And so we're going to look at, th- at this principle that I'm going to mention now uh, as we get further in this book of Ephesians. But Tim Keller's point, he says, faith is primary, but practice is necessary. And I'll let you think about that a minute. Faith is primary. But practice is necessary. You see, in, the, in, in my experience in church growing up, before the Lord really kind of flipped my life upside down my senior year of college, I really had uh, a belief in Jesus Christ, and I had a belief in a number of things, but I lived mostly trying to live by a moral standard. And that's what Christianity had mostly become to me, that it was this, this moral standard. And, and really, there's some lines of things you don't do and use gray spots, kind of like, you know, with, with my dad growing up. Like, there are things that I could get by with, and there are things that you just don't do, right? And, you know, and, and as I got into adolescence, I think those things I tried to get by with stretched out a little bit more. And I would quickly learn a lesson of, okay, those are things you just don't do, right? And then I just got a little bit better at my dad not knowing about those things. But, you know, in reality, our father in heaven knows all these things. And so if we look at our faith and we look at this reality of the faith and the things that we believe, my experience growing up in church is that the church taught you about things that you believe. And when you believe this thing, when you have this cognitive comprehension of this truth that is expressed in scripture, you've got it. That's a lie. 
That's half of the gospel that Jesus came to give us. The other half is that there is this necessity of practicing in order to to step into it and experience and encounter God that transforms your life and begins a transformation of our characters. That believe is primary. And what you believe is absolutely a primary foundational pillar of your spiritual life. But practice is necessary. And where we as the church fail to lead you and be a place that we're challenging you to practice the reality of this, then we're failing to be the church. Can I get an amen? Now, that amen is going to get challenged a bit for you because I'm speaking in the context of sons. But please, women, hear that in the context of yourselves, because we're all children. This is not son exclusive. This is not male exclusive, even though it's Father's Day. There is this invitation by God for you not just to hear and believe these things to be true, but for you to begin and give your life to try to practice the realities of what he has in store for you. And in that, you get to encounter God and see a transformation take place in our lives. And so the first place, first thing we're going to look at this morning is... In, in our faith or what we believe is belief itself. Like, what do you believe? The first thing that we have to know, if we're going to be great sons before our father, is we have to have this belief thing of who he is understood and worked out. And unfortunately, in 17 plus years of ministry and countless hours of counseling and meeting with people, one primary thing that I see over and over and over and over and over again in, in, in meeting with people and counseling, you know, um, persons is that we say we believe in God. But we don't at all know how to practice that belief or to trust in this God. Because we look at the we look at Scripture, we say, yes, we believe what's in Scripture. But if we say, OK, do we really Put this into practice. If you have a just imagine that you have a really close friend, your best friend. Right. And and your best friend comes to you and says, like, I trust you so much. Thank you for being such a good friend to me. And yet every time a crisis or something happens in this friend's life, they never come to you. They never discuss it with you. They never seek your counsel. They may seek counsel of other people, but they never confide this big, heavy thing with you. Or trust in you. Then I would say that your friend is able to say that they trust you, but where there is not a practice going along with that trust, then it's really a lacking aspect of that relationship. And it's no different between us and God. We can say that we trust God, but if we're still living with the same worries and fears and overcome by the realities of the world, if we're still living with unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts, then practice. Is necessary. It's not just a matter of being able to say, yes, I believe that we should forgive people. Yes, I believe that we should trust God and not be worried. Yes, I believe that we should be able to trust God and not be afraid. But where we find ourselves worried and afraid and unforgiving. Fill in the blank of what else could be there. Then it invites us to this place of recognizing something new and something good that God wants to reveal about himself to us. You see, this belief piece has to be this foundation of that God is good. And because the only reason that we wouldn't turn to him in those moments of things that we're worrying about or things that we're fearful of, in order for us to grab a hold of those things, then we have to believe that what we think about a situation is the most important thing. 
But what is the reality is that God created it all like not, everything is held together by the power of his name, as we see in Scripture. And yet we live as though that's not somehow true, that our responsibility or that our role or that we need to worry or we need to be concerned because God surely can't understand what I'm going through in this. I've heard that a number of times. Well, Scott, you really don't know what I'm going through. And the Lord's give me a really good answer when I hear that is that this I, I may not be able to fully empathize with what you're going through, but you cannot sit here before me as a pastor and say that God does not understand your hurt, that God does not understand misery, that God does not understand pain. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Who of us can stand before God and say, you do not understand? Who of us can say before God that you just were too far off when he has done all of that to be able to come near? You see, if we're going to really learn how to step in and grow to be better sons, therefore better husbands and better fathers and better friends and better neighbors and better co-workers, then we have to first recognize that there is a belief in God's goodness that we have to wrestle with. Because the enemy is always working to try to twist your understanding of God to be someone other than fully good. He is only good. He's as good as he is holy. There's nothing but goodness that comes from the father. He is. So therefore, he can be fully trustworthy. You can trust him with anything in your life and know that what he intends to act on in that is good for you. Does it mean that your life will will be without any pain or any any hurt or any emotion that gets stirred up? Absolutely not. In fact, he guarantees that's going to be the case. And that guaranteeing it be the case from my perspective is that, well, absolutely, it's good that our hearts are tested. That we can step into knowing the reality of his goodness as he presses through that and we look back on his faithfulness and goodness and that we see that he's good, sure enough. Though I may not have been able to see it in the moment, I can look back through belief and understand. And friends, where we believe that to be true, but don't in some way come alongside that truth to practice it. We're just giving the enemy a foothold to continue to steal, kill and destroy what God has in store for us as sons and daughters in his kingdom. So number one step in order to be able to be a good son, as we see Jesus being the model for is is the understanding of God's goodness and his father's goodness. Number two, we see, I'm going to turn to John chapter seven. We see Jesus being questioned and in in his being questioned in John chapter seven. I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. John 7, 14. So not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. And the Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning with having uh, without having studied? And Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone comes to God, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain to to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. Second step. And being able to grow to be a, a better, better son to our father is seeking the Lord, seeking what is good and what is 
what gives honor to our father in heaven, not seeking what gives honor to us. We find ourselves caught up in this. We find ourselves looking at things like prayer. I'm going to turn to John chapter 14, where Jesus is is here making a a statement to us. Begin reading in verse nine. He makes a statement. um, I'm sorry. Begin reading in verse uh, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, anybody ever prayed to win the lottery? Anybody ever prayed that you really needed something to work out the way you saw this thing needed to be worked out? Anybody have kind of agenda when they come before the Lord and lift up these prayers to him and say, "Okay, I really need this raise or I really need this situation. I really our own perception of what these needs are. And then did anybody ever have something they prayed not not get fulfilled? (laughs) Praise Jesus. Right. How how, how many of you, you know, at, at a later age, after you've been married, look back at a high school sweetheart and said, praise Jesus. You did not answer that prayer, right? Like the father in heaven is good, right? He's the creator of all things. For heaven's sakes, if you want to think about now, men, look at me. If you want to think about is God good? He created sex. Like this is the guy who thought sex up, created it and gave it as a gift between a man and a woman. Right. So men, when you're struggling, is God good? Am I thinking about this? Like, think about how creative God is to create light when there was no light. And thank you, God, that you created sex and that there's there's this plan that you have in creation. Right. I mean, I just had to throw that in there. (laughs) Praise God. This is about honoring our father. Right. So. As we look at this passage in, in, in John 14, here's Jesus saying, okay, whatever you ask for, you're going to get. And yet somehow we miss out and we're not seeing God fulfill these prayers that we're praying sometimes. And what could be the cause of that? James chapter four. James is speaking. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from from your desires that battle within you? You want something and you don't get it. You kill and covet and you, you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Skipping down to verse seven. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Anybody ever prayed with selfish motives and selfish desires? You see, if we're going to be sons in the manner that Christ was a son as this perfect son, he goes through and there were a number of different. I was I could have just riddled you with passages from John this morning about who Jesus is and who Jesus and and these examples that we see in the gospel of John of this relationship that the son has with the father. And several times he is simply I simply saying I I, I only say what I hear my father saying. I only do what I see the father doing. It is not for my will that I'm doing this. It is to fulfill my my father's will. It is not to glorify myself that I act and do the things that I do. It is to bring glory to the father. I am simply doing just as this passage we read a minute ago in verse in chapter seven. I am simply doing the father's will and look to be obedient to the father that he's the one that gets all the honor. 
When we seek that same heart and we live through the lens and through the heart of a son that seeks what is best for our, our heavenly father. And that that is the motivation behind who we are and what we're about and our prayers. Then, friends, I think that you will find yourself praying different prayers. And I think the Lord will show you the prayers to pray for that are in his will. And I think that you will experience signs and wonders of God's goodness. Through you, because scripture says it over and over again. John 15, that it is good that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves as my disciples. Because it brings father, the father glory for you to do so. Jesus is saying he's not mincing his words. If you ask, expect to receive. But he's saying this in the context that he said over and over and over and over and over and over again throughout John leading up to this to say, if you're going to live in my kingdom, then you're going to live as a child. And I came that you could be adopted into this kingdom and follow after me as a son in my father's household. And you can ask whatever you want and you're going to get it. Even greater things than, than what you've been seeing, you're going to be able to experience when your heart comes to this place that you're simply here to glorify and honor your father. And that is the existence of your life. And he even goes to the point of not just coming and dying on the cross to, our, to, to pay the penalty that we could have that. But he came and he sent his spirit to come where? To come live within us. Now, I don't know about you, but that is intimacy. That's not like being a friend that you can call on the phone. That's not like being a, a you know, a, a, a a family member that that you can have close connection with and see every day. He came to live within us. That is the most intimacy we can have. And his spirit is alive within us. But are we living as sons in his kingdom, awakening and growing to the reality of that spirit and submitting to his will? He says, seek. The third thing we need to do if we're going to follow Jesus model And be great sons to our father. We find in the next verse from chapter 14. John 14 verse 15. If you love me then. You will obey what I command. The third piece is to love. If you love me. You'll obey what I command. Now. In order to be able to obey these commands. Like. We're going to look back on this progression of these three things. You know. You can't say that you love God and take points number one of believing in his goodness and learning to trust him in everything and seeking out his instruction and his will and what best most honors him and what's best for him and what's good for him and what gives him glory and be able to truly say biblically be able to say that yeah I love God you may convince yourself mentally In your mind, you may be able to make that statement, but biblically you have no proof because belief is necessary, but so is practice. This primary belief in in what we say we hold has to have with it this practice that is being worked out in our lives. And unfortunately, what the enemy does so many times is he he loves to try to twist God into someone that he's not. He loves to try to, you know, continue to welcome our own opinion, our own desire, our own will to distract us from what the what the will of the father is. And he loves to try to twist that love of what we love into something other than being 
the Father. And in doing so, our spiritual life is just sucked, the marrow sucked out of our bones spiritually. We find ourselves just surviving one gasp at a time when in reality, Jesus came that we could have life and have it in abundance. And he modeled and paved the way and he leads us through this. And it requires a faith of trusting him when our minds do not understand. This obedience is simply, think about it. Obedience is simple. It's simply agreeing that what God says is good is good. It's simply agreeing with the Father. Because you have to disagree with what the Father has instructed us to in order to be able to live a life apart from obedience. So it wasn't hard for Jesus to live a life of obedience because his heart and his will was fully understood. The goodness of his Father was fully fixed on seeking what the what was good for the father and what was honoring to the father and what would glorify the father his heart was fully fixed on the father so obedience was this step that just fit natural into his life that he's just in agreement with what the father is doing and what the father is saying and he's just repeating it and he's just doing it and he's watching it be done through him he even says it's not me it's the father who's doing these things how many of us have plenty of room for improvement to be better sons or daughters. How many of us have clear opportunity to be able to, to come together as a congregation on Father's Day and be able to recognize a life that we're being called to? You see, there's nothing about this invitation. There's nothing about these three points. There's nothing about these scriptures that we're looking at that in any way is to be condemning. Everything that we're talking about is an invitation to life. It's an invitation to let go of what it produces death and frustration and turmoil and destruction and worry and pain and fear and bitterness in your life to let go of that and to choose the life that you were called to. To choose to live as a son and a daughter. You know, one of the things that that I see Continually, and I think we all have to wrestle with is is number one is this reality of the, the enemy loves to give us a box to check in our spiritual life. Loves to give us a box to check, and the checking of a box is a spirit of religion. It is the it is the spirit of the Pharisees. That I did, I read my Bible, I did my deed, I cared for the poor, I did this thing. I, but where we don't see this daily, ongoing transformation, that our lives are being transformed and our character is being transformed to be a character that stands before the Father and says, you know, what Harvest said earlier, you know, I'm not even a father, I'm a woman, and yet I, I sit here on Father's Day and there's something exciting me that, inside of me that's like excited. Like, you know, I just heard what, what Harvest was saying is this, This spirit within you that says on Father's Day, my father gets to be glorified and there's something in me that I don't quite understand, but that I get excited about on Father's Day because that spirit within her gets to hear much made of her her father. 
Do we wake up every day and, 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 and come alive and, and get rejuvenated and refreshed and excited about what could be happening today that I could join the father in and watch him be glorified because I've gotten my heart out of the way. And now he, I'm just a pipe that he's flowing through, having his way for his honor and his glory. And whatever is asked for was is very clear because it's his will set before me of what he wants to do. And you get to witness that take place and you get to have life flow through you for that to be a reality in this life. The kingdom of God coming here and now on earth as it is in heaven. That is not just a prayer that Jesus prayed. That is the reality waiting for you and I to experience. But if we can expect to experience that reality, we have some role to participate and practice the things that we believe. We can't just chalk them up and check the box. And say, I'm good. You see that box, the heart of, 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 I believe the heart of Jesus, when that box would be presented to him, well, Jesus, you've done your good deed. You've done your thing. He's like, no, 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 no. I want the box to be bigger. I want the box to be dig- deeper. I want the box to be wider. I want the box to be something I can never check because my father is so good. And I know him so, so to be so true and so real in my life that I can't get enough. I never want that box to be something that is small enough that I could check because it is only in life that I find by trying to pursue, pursuing this life that he's invested into for you and for me. And as our hearts become alive, we know, we, we, we recognize we don't want that box checked because it's an invitation to come and seek, to come and know his love, to come and realize This reality, and this is the second part of that point I wanted to make, is that it's not a box to check. And number two, most of us, most of us really wrestle with believing that God, that God loves us. But we don't believe necessarily that God likes us. Do you know that you know that you know that the Lord likes you? doesn't just love you. He delights in you. Psalm 147. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the leg of the man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those whose hope is his steadfast love. Proverbs 3.1. The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father to the son in whom he delights. Even when you're being uh, Reproved, He calls us the son in whom he delights. Psalm 149.4, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. There's a conditional statement in each of those verses, I know. And that's the point of this message. There is life waiting for you as you take steps to become a better son, a better child, a better daughter in our father's kingdom. And it begins... With living each day as though it's a Father's Day. Because that's how Jesus did it. That's how he modeled it for us. Again, just skim through the Gospel of John. And you can't miss the same repetitive thing that Jesus is saying over and over and over again. Of his relationship to his Father. I simply am here to honor him and to glorify him. To the point that he stands in the garden and says, not my will. Yours be done. And is able to do so in the midst of pain and yet in complete freedom. Knowing that the sacrifice that is about to come is going to give life to you and to me. 
I'm going to invite um, Graham Kosick and Mark Schleier. Uh, Graham's been overseeing our our men's ministry for a while, and they've got a, a, a they came together a couple weeks ago, and um, I'll let them kind of tell part of the story, but something that we're, they get to invite us guys to. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to preface. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I just wanted to preface this. Yeah, so I'm over there. He's kind of hidden, like literally ducking down. Um, so I just wanted to preface this with that. Uh, what we're about to share with you, it's really incredible. This has been something that's been a movement and a confliction for the almost a couple months now. And it's just really fascinating that it's coming to a culmination today on Father's Day. And I just was just listening to Scott's message. I was just thinking about how incredible God's timing is. It's almost like he has a plan or something like that. I don't know. Um, But anyway, uh, so a couple months ago, the Minute Vintage went on a backpacking trip and we had a we had a phenomenal time. Um, We had to deal with quite a few challenges. We went from, you know, wearing shorts and sunburns to down jackets and snow for a short time period. We uh, had to also deal with excess steak. That's another one that we had to wrestle with. Each one of us brought uh, two steaks thinking someone would have left a steak, but we all brought two steaks. So we all had to eat two steaks. It was tough, brutal. Um, but anyway, the next weekend, um, the next weekend, Randall was doing morning announcements and um, she she was kind of going through the the slides and she was speaking about a an event that the women put on where they got together they break bread um, they had dinner and had a great time but the end of it was making blankets that they then donated to foster kids in the community and it was so beautiful because it was I mean geniusly designed where they got together had fun but the fruit of their labor was something that was going to be life giving to our community and to our mission and foster. And then the next slide was our backpacking trip. We were like, I think Josh was holding up an axe next to Sai's head and all that stuff. And, uh, but it, it, it hit me in that moment, this, this power of uh, confliction. And, and really speaking to that practice piece, Scott spoke about this morning, and that um, a lot of the things men do here at Vintage, we get together and we have cornhole tournaments. We go backpacking. We play flag football, uh, tear ACLs, or, you know, all that stuff. But um, anyway. Achilles. Yeah, Achilles, sorry, my bad. Um, Anyway, so, and it really spoke to me that, wow, like, we spend so much of our time doing these things that are really good, like, we want to keep doing that, um, but it seems like we have this opportunity to, to be more in what we're called to do, and so Graham's going to speak a little bit about that, but this is kind of the source of where this confliction hit me, and that women are totally crushing it here at Vintage, and guys, we're just having a lot of fun, so it's, you know, call, I'm calling us out a little bit. Thanks, Mark. Hey, man, first off, I love this guy's heart, and just... God, you know, kind of started speaking to him and stirring up some things in him and coming to us and just, you know, I'm, I help with our men's ministry here. So we just sat down for coffee and it just, you know, God started stirring my heart too. And so uh, for the past several weeks now, we've been praying and kind of dreaming and, you know, almost like with the new land, you know, we're all kind of dreaming and visioning what could be there. And that's what we're doing with the men's ministry right now. So um, I had sent out a, an email to everybody I have an email for earlier this week announcing uh, this Tuesday night at the night of prayer and worship, just inviting every man who calls vintage their home or their church body to attend. We're going to have, after the night of prayer and worship, a uh, vintage men's summit. And it's really going to be us kind of talking about you know, things that God's stirring up um, between us, but also 
wanting to hear from everybody here, you know, because everyone here has an experience and has been in the church, has you know seen some things that they that they've thought gone well, maybe had some ideas that they haven't shared or, or to this point. But we just ask um, everybody to try to mark their calendar for that. We really it is um, not a prayer and worship for everyone, but we certainly want to have um, a ton of guys there, and we certainly want to uh, hear from you guys afterwards. So, and that's going to be again. Um, seven is the night of worship, and then eight is going to be our Vintage Men's Summit Tuesday night. Uh, so um, there's lots of things we're, we're kind of thinking about, uh, you know, as how can we serve alongside each other more? Um, how can we get men into more deeper, authentic connection and relationships at Vintage? Um, one of the things that um, you'll be hearing more about in the coming weeks will be somewhat of a campaign for, you know, men's only small groups. Um, you know, traditionally we've called them DNA groups, but we're going to be asking guys to raise their hand, uh, potentially if they'd be willing to host one or just raise your hand and sign up if you want to learn more about uh, those, uh, those groups that we'll be forming. So um, just early stage here with all that, but um, this is just our invitation to you guys. Um, come alongside. Uh, we want your input. We want you to dream big dreams with us for what men can be at Vintage and what our community can look like. Um, I feel like God has got a plan, like he said. And uh, it's just kind of just stirring and beginning. So we're really excited. Um, we look forward to seeing you guys Tuesday night. Good job. Thank you, guys. So, men, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a challenge for you in that to, uh, to come together. So, you know, what do y'all think about the sermon? Because I'm really insecure and I need to hear, like, praise. But I'm really not asking that question. Um, I'm, I'm asking that question to make a point. Like... If you just took these three things and say, okay, yeah, that's good that, you know, faith is primary, but practice is necessary. Okay, that's, that's a good point. That's, there's something I can get from that, Scott, right? And these three points are good, they're good points, right? But there's got to be this how that you walk away from every sermon with. Whether it's very explicit from the pulpit or whether it's, it's explicit from the spirit before you walk out of a church service. I don't care if vengeance is going to be your church home or not. Do yourself a favor. If you're going to be a son in the kingdom of God, don't walk out of the sanctuary when a message is preached without a revelation of how to apply that truth to my life. Because that is an area where the enemy has stolen and killed and destroyed and choked out your spiritual life. So if you want a how in how to jump in and to say, okay, I need help in believing and working through some of these things I say I believe, but I have no idea how to put it into practice. Then one opportunity, there's two things I had to, I had to throw at you. One opportunity is men specifically challenging you is come to prayer on Tuesday night and connect with other men and begin learning how to step into a relationship that we learn how to do this together. There's a clear, how do I take a step in this direction? Because if I leave the how to be inferred, what's the fruit of that in our church? You just believe with no practice. So there's a practical, tangible thing you can do. The second thing is, you ready for this? The second thing is, is that you wake up every morning, man. And you put yourself, at least mentally and your heart, before this thing on my left, you're right, before the cross. And you cannot look at the cross of Jesus Christ and accept it for what we've accepted as in our culture, that it is an icon of something that took place. And, oh, yeah, I got that box checked. I understand the story. That box cannot be checked if you're going to be a son before our father, because you have to be able to recognize that he was 
fully committed, connected, unified with the Father in heaven. Back in creation and before. Everything is perfect in the Father's presence. He's holy. He's only good. And Jesus chose to give that up and be forsaken. So that you and I could have community with the Father. He gave up and gave to us what was rightfully his. He took on the pain and the punishment for our sin. And we cannot wake up every day and not bring ourselves before the cross and believe that we are making progress in our spiritual lives. Because the cross, you can't let be a checkbox and you can't let that box feel checked because that's for everybody in the world. That is a true statement. But that was for you. And if every day you gave yourself and just came to the Lord and said, Lord, I set myself before your cross. Give me a greater revelation of it. There's your challenge. There's your challenge. Can you bring yourself and say, show me the reality of the weight of the cross in my life? Don't let me go another day believing that that's just something that took place. And it's an icon and it's a it's a it's a big piece of wood in the sanctuary. No, that has to become a growing reality. And here's the thing. Every step we take, whether it's to connect with other men or it's to pursue the Lord in scripture or pursue the Lord in prayer or to come and put put the cross before us and asking in that prayer to to reveal it in greater measure. Whatever step you take toward the father, here's what you have to hear this morning. He delights in that step. And it is a process of growing. You shouldn't have expectations for yourself that you're going to raise the dead tomorrow. That could be a reality. But the reality is he loves a heart that turns to him and takes a step. For those whose heart fear him, he delights in them as his children. So to end the service, I'm going to ask every dad that is willing to stand up and walk up here in front. And the rest of you, you guys are going to join with me as we pray over our dads. As we take steps to become the sons and the husbands and the men that ultimately he died on the cross for us to be. So if you're a dad, would you come on up here with me if you're willing to?